This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by Mawera Karatai in Fakatani. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. Most importantly, how's the writing going? Writing is going very well too. So we are well on track to be completely finished and off on its way to the three panel members who have already signed up to do the job, Sam. Oh my gosh. It's getting close. And who are we introducing today? Today it is my great pleasure to introduce Carla Meharry. Carla is a wild food specialist, actually a TV chef. Um, She's a business guru, locally um, involved in all things business. uh, And um, actually it's incredible the kind of business stuff she's been doing over the years, so we can talk about that. Winner of the Otago Polytech Distinguished Alumni Award. Um, and a person who gives so much of herself all through the community um, that, you know, we're just really lucky to have Carla in our community. Welcome, Carla. Thank you, Mawera. Thank you, Sam. Welcome, Carla. Where are you, Carla? I'm in my office near Kawado. Probably closer to Titeko. I'm a Texan. And how was your bubble life last year? And then I'll talk about how was this year's bubble life. Last year was really busy. We had a house full of 10 of us and two of those were essential workers. So they isolated down in our cabin and our bar and the rest of us were in the house. They pretty much did everything outside of the house. So we didn't get to go shopping or any of that kind of stuff so it was it was very isolating in that sense but at the same time good knowing that we didn't have to go out and and do anything like that so yeah we just basically hung on the farm so we're we're quite lucky that we've got 26 acres so we had plenty of space to roam around on and I think take taking it more seriously last time as well like you know it was quite for me I remember listening to the announcement and it was actually like kind of scary the unknown I suppose and the uncertainty of what was going to happen and what it was going to look like and how long it was going to last and what the impact was going to be on not just us but friends family and then and those people that weren't fortunate enough to have you know as much sustainable living as what we do so yeah that was I don't know probably that's the biggest thing I noticed. And this year? This year, I think 
uh, a lot of people haven't taken it as serious. We did extend our bubble because there were people within our close vicinity that were lonely and did struggle last time. And so we extended our bubble to them this time. An elderly couple that live next door and then a, another friend just down the road. So, yeah, I think this time around people seem to take it a bit more lax. Obviously, um, my husband's not working at the moment because he's on ACC. So he's we don't have any essential workers in the house at this point during lockdown so I've been able to go out and do the shopping which has kind of been cool to get out of the house <laughs> and to pick the right food <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've actually had to pop into work a couple of times to get a few bits and pieces so that I could continue to look after a couple of the businesses that I'm working with what work are you doing so I'm general managing one business at the moment, which is a um, demolition, construction and asbestos removal company. And then I'm also mentoring a local um, poo company. A what company? <laughs> um, waste. They do like your... Um, <laughs> They do your um, septic tank, clean out your septic tanks and all that kind of stuff. It's called it's called brown freight. And have you been doing that from home? Not your own septic tank. Yeah. No, no. So obviously they're not. They're only going out if there's an emergency at this stage. But um, just yeah, just mentoring them through business stuff, through the COVID strategies and all that kind of stuff as well. So. And then getting the other business that I'm working up, getting ready for us to obviously go back to work when the levels reduce to the appropriate point. And how are the workers getting on? Because presumably they're not working. No. So some of them have been struggling with it. Others have just been enjoying it. Quite a few of them have been white baiting, seeing as you're allowed to do that this time around. And I know a couple went fishing off the wharf, which you're also allowed to do this time around. I think those are the big differences too this time. Like last time we weren't allowed to do anything like that. So, But still no swimming. Some people, yeah, some people are finding that, you know, that's their um, peace of mind to be able to go and do something like that. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have four non-blondes. Why this one? Takes me back to when I went and did my OE when I was 17. I left New Zealand and <clears throat> I went to Hong Kong for a few weeks and then I landed in London. And um, I first started working as a as a nanny and then realised that wasn't where I wanted to be and um, managed to land a job in a kitchen in a pub. And I think that song came out in my first week when I was at that pub. And it was kind of a, a point in my life where I was trying to decide which direction to head in and what I wanted to do. And did I still want to be a chef or did I want to do something completely different? And, um, yeah, I just think that song resonated with me then. And it's kind of at a point in my life at the moment where I'm kind of considering what I want to do when I grow up. So I'm kind of, yeah, I think it's, it's moving to a point where Carla wants to reinvent herself. 
So how does somebody who is a wild food specialist and a chef end up running a demolition company and a poo company? <laughs> Good question. Good question. Um, I've always been interested in business. Obviously started working in my parents' business at a very young age, so was exposed to all aspects of a the administration management and you know staffing side of the business from you know quite young and helping out when i came back from doing my oe um was working in auckland chefing at the um cob and co actually up there i was restaurant manager up there in manukau and then um yeah my i don't think he was my husband then my partner, my boyfriend at the time, an Irishman that I brought back from the UK, he got into a bit of trouble up in Auckland, so we had to come back down this way. And um, yeah, I started working back in my parents' business, and then the local mill contacted me. Uh, the now that's closed down, Norski was Tasman Pulp and Paper then. Um, asked me to go in and do some work for them in their electrical business or electrical side of their um business because obviously working in my parents electrical business I had some of that skill set so I went and transferred them from a manual system to a computerized system and just kind of went from there like I did that and then they offered me a role in inventory and then from inventory moved into procurement and procurement moved into management and it kind of just snowballed from there and then obviously had kids so the chefing kind of came on the back burner and just became a, a catering type business where I picked and choose what to do. You still haven't got so, from there to a yeah. poo company. <laughs> I suppose I've just over the years, a couple of the businesses that I've worked in have not been going too well. And so I've gained skills in helping to turn them around. And so from there, I gave up full-time employment in 2018 and decided to work for myself more and just contract and consult some of these companies. And then, yeah, basically they, they've kind of heard word of mouth and found me and phoned up and asked me for support. So that's, that's where it's come from. So, Carly, you're basically managing the inflow and the outflow. <laughs> I guess you can put it like that. <laughs> one, of the, um, one of the things I just I really love about you is the work that you do behind the scenes and the um, you, you you give a lot of food out to a lot of people and I, I appreciate that having also been the recipient of such food but um, the the um, the karma cuisine stuff for the stuff that we're doing together and the impact of that like even though it's a thing that we do Carla and I donate wild feasts for people to um, auction and raffle and give away um, to uh, to raise funds. And we've raised tens of thousands of dollars for organisations doing that. And I say we, but, but really it's Carla. Carla provides the equipment, provides most of the ingredients, does most of the work because I'm limited with my arthritis. And, and never complains and never wants anything for it other than just to be doing an incredible job for people. And it's it's such a cool thing you do. Why do you do it? Because I'm passionate about it. Because <laughs> it's the passion, the passion of giving, the passion of sharing. Like so many people can't go out and hunt. They don't have the knowledge or they don't have the equipment or the tools or they don't have 
the places to go or even know how to know how to do it so the joy for, for me when we hunt and gather and and I cook stuff I get more out of it by being able to share it than I do by having it myself so for me it's like it's yeah it's just pure joy and pure passion to be able to share my skills and the ability that I have to provide that for other people to put a smile on their face I've also noticed over the last year or so that you've started um, when you eat out sharing reviews of the foods that you're cooking and uh, that you're eating rather and I really enjoy that too um, and it's something that you know often you'll see reviews and they're really based on that this was wrong that was wrong but your reviews are always like this was amazing and this was more amazing this was the most amazing thing so positive like the way that you celebrate people and their successes is so good thank you I've, I've really enjoyed going to like because i have it probably in the last year eaten out more than i have in a long time and that's just through luck i've got a friend that comes down from hamilton you know once once a month i catch up with her in the, in the mountain tauranga so we're going around that circuit checking out their their restaurants and i think i, I discussed it with you once i i thought i found a little niche that i really loved which was reviewing the food tasting it and then writing about it but like I said to you, I didn't think I was that great at being able to articulate what I really wanted to say in the right manner. So, yeah, that's why I was looking for like some kind of template so that I could do it properly. But, yeah, that, that kind of thing is exciting. I like doing that. I just like it because it, it, the way that you write is, the, is a celebration. And I think that when I look at your practice as a professional in every aspect of your life that's how you that's the way you operate is that you you celebrate people and their strengths and it's yeah. such a beautiful thing i think when i look at myself and how i write i there's no really difference between how i speak and how i write <laughs> You know, whereas a lot of people will speak one way and then write in a completely um, different manner, you know. Whereas when I write, it's exactly what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> just kind of falls out. <laughs> and and that's, your, the, I think that's the passion. Where did your optimism um, and that passion come from? What's been your biggest influence there? Um... I think it's when I was in the UK and I was working at a pub um, called The Peacock and it was right um, on the back of Coventry in London, there was a young lad, homeless lad, and he used to live in this doorway. And for the first three or four months, I was petrified of him. Like I'd cross the road and just like stare him out and, you know, just like wonder why he was there and why he didn't get a job. and you know what what was his story and then one night we'd had um a lock-in which is when they you know the pub shut a few of the regulars and the staff stay in and have drinks and i probably had a couple too many and i had to get get back to get the last two back to where i lived and i yeah walked past where he was and i ended up talking to him like because i you know i was 10 foot tall and bulletproof because i had like a skin full of beer and then so that started this whole friendship and then i would stop by and i'd give him some food and talk about his life and stuff like that so i think it started from there 
it may very well have started a lot earlier than that, you know, with wanting to, Dad always said I always brought home all the strays. Wayward kids that would come and stay at our place and my sister would bring home all the animals. But um, that really significantly changed the way I looked at looked at homelessness and looked at um, people in need and then looking at what I had and what I could offer to make a little difference in their life. And that's when I started with that philosophy in my mind that if I could do one thing a day that made a simple difference in somebody's life, then I'd forever be successful. Have you been able to keep that up? I think I do a good job of it, Sam. I think, yeah, obviously there's going to be days when, when you can't and it's a bit harder during lockdown to, to do as much as you want, but little gestures on um, like some of the Facebook group pages, you know, like if people need stuff, you know, little things like that, they know that they can rely on you or call on you if they needed something. I like that. So, yeah, I do try. I like that measure of success. Does that measure of success go across to business as well? For sure. Like if you can do something that changes the way a business operates and take it into a positive light than a negative, obviously that's got to be, you know, a success for them as well as for you. It's just showing the understanding. I think what I've learned in the last 10 years an awful lot is that it's not about big business, it's about small local business that have their key function. They know their key function and they know their, you know, the thing that they do well. What they don't know is about how to run a business. And I've really seen that accountants aren't actually helping that. They're just clipping a ticket. And, and like I've seen it in a number of businesses that I've helped, especially one of the ones I'm working with now, whereas, you know, the accountant, hadn't done stuff for them with IRD and put them in a, a really awkward position with IRD. So, and then when I started working with them, I was like, how's, how's this happened? And why hasn't anyone, you know, especially your accountant sorted this out. So I think for me, seeing these smaller guys and providing them with some mentoring and just some simple tips and tools on what to do and how to look at things and how to manage things. And, you know, even talking to them about gross margin and stuff like that, no idea what that means and what the impact of it has on their business and their cash flow. So teaching that and showing people that, yeah, that's that's a huge turnaround in a business. And that one key function that they're doing well, that's also about making a difference. For sure. So like obviously you've got, you know, the one of the companies I'm working for is we do demolition and we do asbestos removal. But we also do all these other functions that can do a complete rebuild of a property or we can completely demo it and then we can excavate it and landscape it. So the, the services that we're building on, creating a one-stop shop. So it's building on what his key functions already are, but also adding to those so that he can expand and grow and further develop. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi ara hanoi, kia koutou, ko sa ho ho. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstar, and my beloved you. And I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey we're all on together is proven to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you each day. 
who you are. The triumph of nature's art. Perfect, unique. And here, things better. Thank you. So for all of us, I know we've had a very tough time. For the last more than a year, we've had to learn so many new skills in terms of how to care for ourselves and each other in this very unprecedented time, in this time of new challenges, completely unexpected. And I know that as a species, we love to know what will happen next. We love to have a sense of things moving in an orderly way that we can understand, that we can plan for, and we can organise our lives around. And of course, it hasn't been like that for us, and I think this is deeply unsettling. It's so important that we're kind to ourselves and each other as we navigate this new reality. And when things are uncertain, when things are unexpected, of course we can return to the healing wisdom of the natural world, the living And we can see that things move in cycles. And whilst things might not be immediately apparent in terms of following a plan, they are. Things are moving in a way that we can adapt to. And this is something as a species, again, that we're very good at doing. How can we find a sense of certainty and security in our lives? Stability at this time seems uncertain. Well, of course, we can enjoy loving and living in a way that is creatively controlled and dictated by ourselves. We can choose how we wish to frame and experience this time. We can do our best to control those aspects that we can control and make things as good as possible for ourselves and those we love. Even if this is as simple as doing the dishes and making some nice food. (laughs) As simple as it seems, these small acts can help maintain a of a loving, supportive, structured reality when things outside of that space might seem less predictable. So I really hope for you, you're able to find some strength and stability in these small daily rituals. And I hope that they give to you a sense of the nurturing power, a sense of the love that surrounds you, a sense of the love that you can give and receive. And I hope that this brings to you a sense of comfort and a sense of peace. And whilst we can't control things on a larger scale, we can always do our best and maintain a sense of gratitude and love in how we choose to behave. So I really hope for you, whatever's happening around and wherever you are, this time can be a time of renewal. You can remember all those skills that you have. You can rediscover that inner nurture and find new skills that you didn't know to make things as good as possible for yourself and for those that you love in your beloved bubble. I'm so grateful for these five minutes with you. I'm very grateful to Sam and the whole Blame Bubbles team for having me. Thank you. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Carla Meharry. Carla, when you're working with people and helping them to figure out where they're going, how do you stimulate their imagination? Like when you're doing their strategic planning and all that kind of stuff, you're helping them to grow their business into the future. How do you, what's the process that you go through to get them to see that future? So the first thing I do is I get them to look at their one-year, two-year, three-year, 
five, ten year goals, but also I get them to talk about what they're passionate about first. What is it within their business that they're passionate about? What is it that made them start the business in the first place? So that you reignite what that is. Because when they start talking about that, they you can see them getting excited again. So it's bringing the excitement back as to why they started in the first place and then seeing where they want to go and where they want to take that. So do a lot of um, mind mapping and then drawing on that. And then probably um, one of the other things that we do is talk about experiences that I've gained through other businesses and things that have worked and what they've looked at and not so much go into the detail of it because every business is different, but the fundamentals of every business is the same. So it's drawing on those fundamentals and those key aspects to show them what we can do, where we can take it and how it could look. The, the guys that you're working with, I mean, they. I know that you work predominantly with men. I don't know that I've ever known you to be in a business where there's been a woman at the helm, mostly been men. Do they, do they, do they struggle with the the visioning stuff? Is there a way that you're able to get that um, that excitement for the vision of the future? Rather, because they they're very tools oriented. Hey. So most of them are that one of them isn't one of them is really visionary hugely visionary he just can't pull, he just hasn't has struggled to pull it all together so he has the vision but he doesn't have the tools and the know-how to pull it all together whereas you're right i have worked predominantly in a male dominated environment apart from when i was at council obviously um when i was working for council there was a a woman leader there so but yeah, I think working in the male dominated my whole life, really. Like even when I started chefing in the UK, all the chefs I worked for were male. And then, you know, working at the steel mill, all, all male, even working at, at the mill in Kaurau, not all male, but predominantly male. So I think you just, I just take it in the stride. I just, I'm just one of the boys. And so it's easy just to relate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I find it easier working and, and talking and relating to men than I do women. So we always yeah. have, even when I was at school. So the, the communication style of men is different from the communication style of women. So how do you engage them in that future thinking space? Just by talking, just talking about them and their life and what they want to do. It, yeah, it just it just seems to flow. It's just asking questions and seeing it from their point of view, and having influence from my dad and what he did in his business and how he managed it, and you know some of the stuff that he did probably influenced a lot of that for me as well. So I've been around a male that's run his own business, you know, for most part of my childhood. Between him and mum. Let's, yeah. let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Courage to Change. Uh, Sia, why this one? It's a song that um, got brought to my attention, oh, I don't know, maybe... A month 
two months ago and I listened to the song from beginning to end which when we work the way we do we don't generally do that do we but um, and it really just resonated with where I am at the moment and where the world is at the moment because there's so much going on all around the place and there's so much change that needs to take place it's um it's a powerful song and I yeah I felt drawn to it and can see some a lot of significance in it world I want to leave you better I want my life to matter I am afraid I have no purpose here I watch the news on TV Abandon myself daily I am afraid to let you see When it falls, when it falls Pardon me the rain it falls, when it falls Starting to see the love and hope, love and love We don't have to stay stuck in the weeds
is so much going on. We've seen lots of changes over the last year. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Um, I think, obviously, from doing my um, degree, the global warming and climate change is huge a lot bigger than I think anybody gives it credit for and it scared the crap out of me um this this whole COVID thing it's it's an interesting one because everybody's got different beliefs and to vaccinate to not vaccinate and I've got a very vocal sister who's very anti everything and she's she's an island and um it's yeah it's been an interesting interesting year listening to you know obviously her side of things and then what's going on um i think there's been some really good decisions made and i think obviously you know locking us down was hard on a lot of people but i also think it was necessary just to stamp this virus out um what do i think should change stay I think there needs to be more community, community-based, free support networks, and I think there needs to be more avenues where people that want to give, whether they want to do it anonymously or they want to do it outright open and open, I'd like to see more, more of that being being viable and being able to take place. Because I know there are a lot of people out there that want to give, don't know how to give, don't want people to know they're giving, but um, definitely want to help and don't know how to do it properly. So I know there is a girl in Kawado, um that set up a page on Facebook and she's getting an awful lot of people donating stuff and she's giving it away. She's amazing. I don't know if you've seen her, Marwita, but she'd be worth having a look, a look at. So that's a real good platform just makes it hard when it's locked down like this because obviously you've got to be contactless pickup and delivery so I'd like to see more change around that area. Do you think that once we all get back to business as usual in fact do you think we're going to get back to a business as usual or is it back to business as something else? I'd say there will be an aspect of business as usual and then there will be an aspect of Wait, some some businesses aren't going to survive this again. You know, I know it's tough on the businesses I'm looking after. So, um, you know, we're getting as much financial support that we can to to see them through. And it's it's about looking after the people within those businesses. You know, like it's not just about the business and the owner. There's there's a lot of staff at stake as well. So yeah, it's what what can we do as as a business, what can we do as a community to support all these guys to help them go forward and, and manage it? Like it's all very well saying that we can give these businesses a loan and they've got two years to pay it back. Someone even been able to do that, you know. So yeah, there needs to be some kind of mechanism that people can tap into to support them through that. And I know you've got all the government websites and stuff like that, but it's it's messy when you go into them. It's not as easy to find stuff. And because some people, like I said, you, you know, they know their skill set or their, their core function, but 
when it comes down to reading all that business stuff, it just mind boggles them, you know, and they get more confused. And so then they don't do it. So then it affects their business. So I think there yeah, was some kind of middle ground that can talk to people about it in layman's terms, so to speak, you know, so that they do understand it, so that they do get the right support. That's just my feeling anyway. What's the next plans in terms of wild food? Um, I'm going to enter this little competition, although it's not actually a competition because they just pick a random person to win. But um, I don't know. I was going to have a talk with Ma and just see what else we can do with the wild food. Maybe even try and do something a bit more formal with a, I don't know, set us up a little YouTube channel or something like that just so that we can showcase it a bit more. Because the one thing I love about when we go and do that stuff, it's not just going in and cooking the wild food, it's telling the story. So that's where that's where Ma and I, um, like she says, I do a lot of the cooking and this, that and the other. She does the story because she's good at that. She can speak and articulate herself a hundred times better than what I can. So, and it's a bit of a bit of a banter as well because I'll chuck in a couple of one-liners and throw her off off the page now and then, or make her laugh and nearly fall off her stool but it, that's the fun part of it it's like if do you remember that tv program english one hudson and hall it was a cooking show mm -hmm. they were hilarious they used, they used to get really drunk so when obviously we go i drink my a dozen so i've got a driver but um we just have a hilarious time and and the people where we go generally get really drunk but um it's it's a crack up and teaching them about how we caught it, where we caught it, where it's come from, you know, how it's been looked after and why we do what we do. That's, yeah, that's kind of cool. And I think we need to showcase that more. So, yeah, maybe some kind of youtube -y thing. That'll be cool because you have been on TV with it. Yeah. Yes, um, three three different shows we've done now. We've done um, Hunting Aotearoa with uh, Howie Morrison. And we did Hunting with Tui. And um, the latest one we did was with um, Piriwepu, Piri's Tiki Tour. And, you know, like, to be fair to all of them, amazing people. And they didn't just do the show and then, you know, you never heard from them again. Like, um, Tui keeps in touch. We, you know, we catch up and see each other. We talk on Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. And, and same with, with Piri, you know. Just before lockdown, we were planning a trip down to Waihau Bay with Pity to go southern bluefin tuna fishing while they were still here. But, yeah, then obviously the weather packed in and got in the way and then, then lockdown. So, yeah. So they, they keep in touch. They're, they're cool people. And I, it's not just a let's do this show with you and then see you later and never see you again. When, uh, very, when real, the, very real. When the Edgecomb floods happened... Um, we did a, a call out to all the hunters to bring wild food to one of the mm. local marae and we had a whole bunch of other hunters there cutting meat up and I rang Howie and said, come on, you need to come and be part of this. So he just, uh, you know, jumped in his car, came with his mate. They wrote a song while they're sitting there helping with all this stuff and then played it on the radio and got so much attention to to what we were doing and it was just you know that that's the kind of people those guys are and it's really neat being able to make those connections hey 
Yeah, definitely. Mm. Especially in a time of crisis, and a little bit of um, humour and, um, you know, love goes a long way. And when you can bring in people like that that have a bit more guts, though, then, yeah, it's always beneficial. So I have some questions to end the show. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Um, that would probably be finishing my degree. <laughs> I never dreamed in a million years I'd, I'd ever do a degree. So that was for me, that was pretty successful. And then I would have to say um, the work that I'm doing with um, with Shane and his company taking it from you know in the dire strait where he couldn't actually afford to have me but he couldn't afford not to and turning it around to a company now where we've got like I don't know 20 staff and you know multi-functions and and it's and it's doing well and it's creating um opportunities for lots of local people especially in the um in the um iwi I think we're 89% um, Māori within the business. And um, it's been really cool working with some of these iwis, especially being, you know, from myself, born and bred in Kawado, but having no Māori affiliations and having these great connections with these iwis because they can see that, that I understand, that I know what it's about, how it works, what it looks like, and how that they can do it together. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? My superpower? If I could have one. No, the one you've got. Ah. Oh. Um, crikey. I have no idea. I've never actually thought about that. Okay. I know well, I'd like to be invisible. Where are you at? Um, well, the problem with Carla's superpower is it's a significant list. But if I had to name the thing that makes the biggest impact, it's her generosity of spirit. Generous with her time, I'm... generous with her resources, generous with everything. Certainly generous with her love. I'd just say kindness. Just kindness. Be kind. Can't be kind. Shut up. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Hell no. No, not at all. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? I'm alive. I'm alive. It's a good day. I've got gorgeous kids and amazing friends. And what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, I'd say it would be to do with cooking. Definitely to do with cooking and then maybe even um, looking more into that um, food critic side of things 
and then also just seeing where I can take um, Shane's business with him moving forward. There's another avenue we want to look at that we've started to to work on already. So yeah, I'm really keen to see that come into fruition and where that can take take him and um, opportunity for for me to be part of that. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Just if there's something you can do for somebody close by that's going to make a difference in their life, even a little tiny difference in a positive manner, then I suggest you do it. Don't wait to be asked. Thank you for that. Mawera. Well, Carla, I'm lucky because I get to have you in my life. Um, but I know that there's a lot of people who you have an impact in their life and they would have no idea about it. So on behalf of all those people, thank you for being you and for all the things that you do. Kia ora. Yeah. Thank you. If my life was like a book, then every page that I would look, you'd be there. And every memory in my mind returned me to a simpler time when you were here. And with the gesture of your hand, you stopped the world control the band and it felt good you knew it would your music gave us all such fun and changed the world for everyone too safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. 
We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Harry Morrison Jr.'s If I Could Change. I'm Tim Lennon, so it's Bay Dunedin with Marira Karatai in Fakatani and near Kaurau. We've been joined by Kala Mihari. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.